0: Hi, I'm Brett Robinson. Welcome to the Redeeming Hope Podcast, where we share biblical truths that'll give you real hope. What is real hope? It's a hope that is relevant, energizing, authentic, and linked to Jesus. So at the end of last year, I started speaking to you guys on a theme of stories of grace and truth. And uh, the idea that I pitched to you is that we get to choose our stories. Yes, there are challenges. Yes, there are trials. Yes, there are difficulties and things we can't predict, curveballs we get thrown. But nonetheless, when our trust is in God, we still get to choose our story, the kind of story that we tell. You know, the first person you tell your story to is yourself. You know, when you are that self-talk about your outlook on life and the things that you're facing. And the second story is the story that we tell to others. And then, of course, that we we tell to God. Um, But I want to ask a a question today that I think is very important for, for each of us to consider. And that is, how do we develop a personal story full of grace and truth? We've spoken about the fact that we can and that it's important and the impact that it will have if we choose for that to be uh, the character of our story, but how do we develop it? So the first point I would like to say, and perhaps this will come as no surprise, is we have to do it intentionally. <laughs> no far- farmer ever grew a crop accidentally, no students ever graduated accidentally, No business person ever grew a business accidentally. No sports person ever won a race accidentally. No artist ever created a sculpture accidentally. No musician ever played in a symphony accidentally. So then why would you and I rely on faith accidents to succeed in life? Um, A person who relies on chance May get lucky occasionally, but as we know, even a broken clock is right twice a day. <laughs> Wilson uh, Misner said, The only thing sure about luck is that it will change. So, why trust something imp- as important as our lives and as our spiritual development to blind luck? In fact, God has given us a better, far more reliable option His blessing. And you know that blessing is not accidental, it's intentional. A person with a, a good heart who forges a plan based on wise counsel and then sets about diligently working the plan will be blessed. A famous quote by the golfer Gary Player is, it's amazing, the harder I work, the luckier I get. Well, we know that his success had nothing to do with luck and had off, whole lot to do with him developing his story through hard work and applying himself and having a vision for his life, being focused on that. And <clears throat> the blessing comes when we apply ourselves because when we tap into what God has given us, our time, talents, abilities, and we combine those with a well-thought-out plan and hard work, then God's blessing starts to work for us, God's blessing is actually far more, far greater, far more expansive than a simple occasion. We can think of God's blessing, well, he did that for me, he did that for so-and-so, he did that for so-and-so. I can read in the Bible, he did this at this time for that person. But in Genesis, with Abraham, through Jesus we discover that the blessing is actually multi-generational, multicultural, and (laughs) cross-continental. Does that get you excited? God's blessing is as a result of God's systems. Why? Because the theme of what we're speaking about is God's blessing is not accidental. So God, too, has a well-developed plan for us to tap into and cooperate with Him in order to walk In His blessing. In Genesis chapter one, as an example, we read about the systems that God put in place that we might live in His blessing. And if we read a couple of verses there, we read it. It says the following: And God said, "Let there be light," and there was. Let there be an expanse between the waters called sky, and it was so. Let the waters under the sky be gathered together. And it was so, and so on, and so on, until creation was ready for him to create mankind and put him there too. But what did God do? Well, he started by creating order out of the chaos. And his order created the perfect environment for his blessing. And there's a lesson in that for us as well. When we choose to yield our hearts and lives to Jesus, and commit to walking in his ways, his truth brings order into our lives, and we set the stage for true and lasting transformation. Have you ever found that you've gone around the same loop again and again in your life around a certain challenge or test or trial or character issue? And maybe someone's spoken to you about it. Maybe you've even pet talked yourself about it can't believe I'm facing this again. Moses and the Israelites did that in the desert, didn't they? They went around and around for 40 years when God wanted to take them straight through. See, the lesson for us is that when we allow God's truth into our hearts and minds, and we begin to not just listen, but to cooperate and to be obedient to him, God brings order into the chaos, which sets the stage for transformation, which is what we all want. A quote by J.K. Rowling, um, she said, it is our choices that show what we truly are, far more than our abilities. You see, we get to choose. Did you know that God's systems will always replace chaos with order? When we walk in God's ways, then he sets our feet upon a rock and he makes our footsteps firm. It starts with him rescuing us, with him redeeming us, but then he wants us to choose his ways, to choose his truth, so that we can continue to grow and walk in ever-increasing measures of his blessing in our lives. And God showed us, even in Genesis 1, how to continue to walk in his blessing. In Genesis 1, verse 27 and 28, it says the following. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the ground. would like to draw your attention to two words there. He said, um, fill the earth and subdue it. And then he said, rule over. Now, let's examine that for a moment, because we might just have a bit of a Jurassic viewpoint, and, you know, God is saying, don't get eaten, you know, try and escape from, uh, maybe do a bit of farming, (laughs) but where's the lesson in all this for us? Well, to subdue and rule over in a godly way, I believe, is the following. It means to bring order in a way that honors God, his values, and his people. And the evidence of that in our lives is that we have inner peace, we live a fulfilled and meaningful life, and we add value to nature, to our environment, and to those around us. That's what it means in a godly sense, to subdue and rule over. To rule over can easily be misconstrued or misunderstood, because mankind has also abused rule in so much of history. So I think it's worth saying what it doesn't mean. (laughs) To rule does not mean to abuse, to suppress, to push down, to intimidate or to insult. (laughs) When mankind rules based upon pride and selfishness, the result is always hurt, brokenness, waste, pollution, and so on. It's the cycle of death. But when we rule and subdue with the heart of God, it always brings peace, it always brings order, it always brings blessing. Who would like to have peace, order, and blessing in your life in 2023? I'd like some of that, amen? (laughs) So, let's ask the next question that I think is quite relevant. What is the level of your and my commitment to true and lasting change? You see, quality decisions are always accompanied by solid routines. It's all very well if I say to you, how many of you would like some peace? Yes. Would you like some truth? Yes. Would you like some blessing? Yes. Would you like some health? Yes. Would you like to be stronger in your body? Yes. But it can easily become a bit of a wish list. Would you like a better car? Would you like a better job? Would you like a, you know... And all of a sudden, we have a grocery list of things. (laughs) But in order to achieve our goals and our objectives, we need to have quality decisions backed up by solid routines. We need to cultivate habits that align with our goals because it's our routines and our habits that take us from it being a wish list to being a reality. Amen? So, we see how in Genesis 1, God brought order to the chaos. What followed his order? The blessing. What's going to follow your beginning to have godly order in your life? The blessing. It's a spiritual principle. So, we need to learn to order our time. And I'm not going to tell you how to do that, but I'd like to ask you a few questions. When do you wake up in the morning? How do you start your day? How do you spend your leisure time? Are you learning and developing new skills? These are questions we can consider when we are saying to ourselves, I want order, I want truth in my life, I want to grow, I want to develop. We need to create order in our bodies. If I ask you the question, would you like to feel stronger, more flexible? Well, how are you going to do that? What is the routine? What is the habit that you're going to put into place? We have to work according to a proven plan to produce the results that we want. We've got to create order for our internal health through good nutrition. Do you just swallow whatever your eyes see? <laughs> or do you selectively choose what you'll eat in order to feel good? Let me ask you another question. The Bible speaks about hope, and we know that Biblically, hope is a very powerful spiritual force. But did you know that you can measure your hope? If I ask you generally how hopeful you are, it can be a tough question to answer because the question is too broad and too vague. However, if I ask you how hopeful you are in a specific area of your life, such as your education, your sports, your finances, your health, your marriage, well, then it becomes a whole lot more clear the level of hope that you have. And if I had to ask you, I could say to you, why do you feel helpful with regard, hopeful with regard to your uh, physical fitness? Then you might say something to me like, well, Brett, I'm very hopeful because last year I did that and it worked a bit, and this didn't quite work, and now I fine-tuned my plan, and I'm going to do more of the things that did work, and I'm going to do it more consistently, and I found a buddy to do it with me, to keep me accountable, and I used to lift two kgs, and this year I'm going to lift five kgs. And I go, okay, sounds like you've got a plan. Sounds like you've got a routine. Sounds like there's some accountability. I also feel help, hopeful for you that if you can cons- consistent with your plan that it's going to work and produce some results. So, let's say this then. A hope that is not linked to a plan is really just a feeling linked to wishful thinking. Actually, that's just more of a want than a hope. If I said to you, well, how hopeful are you about your physical fitness this year? And you said, no, Brett, I really want it. I really want to be fit. I want to be strong. And um, I said, well, that, that's great. That, uh, that's, a, that's a great goal. Um, you know, why do you feel hopeful about it? No, no, I'm sure that if I apply myself that, that I can do it. You know, I've, I've seen other people do it, and and I reckon if they can, I probably can too. I'd probably say something like, yeah, I, I think you could, but what are you going to do? No, no, I haven't thought about that yet, but I'm very hopeful. <laughs> Well, I don't have as much hope because I can hear there's not much substance to the plan, there's not many details, there's not much of a timeline. So real hope is always linked to a real plan. The life-changing spiritual force of hope that God gives us is described in Ephesians sorry, uh, not Ephesians. Hebrews chapter six. And verse 18 and 19. Let's read that together. It says this, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. So I would like to suggest to you that you can't really unlink hope from a plan. Hope and a plan go hand in hand. And I would go as far as to say that we can even substitute the word hope in the Bible for a plan. Whose plan? Well, God's plan, of course. It's his plan. But let's read it again and say, We who have fled to take hold of the plan set before us may be greatly encouraged, We have this plan as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain. Well, then all of a sudden you get curious and go, well, what is that plan? If I'm going to take hold of the plan, what is it? And that's a good thing. Curiosity gets you asking questions. Curiosity demands details. Well, I'd like to know some details about that plan if I'm going to take hold of it. And that's a very good thing. The more details we know, the more easily we are able to take hold of it and to follow through with it. And I think this is kind of natural. Some of you may be runners, some of you maybe not. Let's just use it as an example just to illustrate the point. If I said to you, hey, are you excited about getting fit this year? And you said, yeah, yeah, no, I'm I'm really excited about that. I'd love to do it. And I said, How do you feel about running as a way of getting fit? And you were like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm up for some running. It sounds good to me. I said, well, I'd like to run. How would you like to run together? And you said, wow, oh, that sounds good. Let's go. And I said, okay, cool. See you on the road during the week. Uh, you might go, <laughs> okay, um, there's a whole lot of time during the week. And, you know, without a better plan, I'm not sure I'm going to see you because I'm busy and I've got other things I'm doing. And I said, okay, okay, you know, uh, I want you to leave it loose and, you know, give us options, but fine, okay, I'll see you Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the road. Then you might say, okay, I know what day you want to meet me, but when do you want to meet me? No, 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 don't worry about it. We know what day, if we're both out on the road on the same day, we'll probably see each other. I think you'd probably go if you were a sane person. (laughs) Listen, Brett, I've got a lot happening Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I need to know what time of the day and where are we going to meet. And if I said, okay, let's meet at Urban Express up the road at 6 in the morning, and we're going to walk for five minutes, run for 20 minutes, and then we'll do some stretches afterwards. You might say to me, Brett, that sounds like a plan. I'll see you there. But we can, in the natural, we go, yeah, that makes complete sense. When it comes to the ways of God and spiritual development, we like to sometimes be loose like a goose. (laughs) Would you like to grow and develop spiritually? Yeah, I'm up for that. How? No, no, it's just going to unfold. It'll just happen. Which day? Okay, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. But when? Why? How? I don't know. Figure it out as I go. (laughs) We've got different standards sometimes we apply to our lives. But how many of you know that God puts details to his plans? Even if you read in um, the account of the fall of man and when God gets involved after sin comes, God already begins to outlay his plan about how thousands of years in the future Jesus is going to come to crush the head of the serpent. God likes details to our plan. Why? Because it helps us to grab a hold of it, helps us to know it and to cooperate with him. The scripture teaches us that a godly hope is like an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. A godly hope is strong, it's reliable, it's dependable, and it's connected to a steadfast faith in Jesus. Pierre de Coubertin, I'm guessing he's French, so that's my best effort at a French pronunciation, said the following. He said, the most important thing in life is not the triumph, but the struggle. The essential thing is not to have conquered, but to have fought well. And I want to encourage you to remain steadfast in your faith. How many of you know that even if you have a good plan, and the plan's on again, off again, on again, off again, the the plan has no real chance of success we have to likewise remain steadfast in our faith in order to grow in our walk with God. Let me ask the next question. What connects our hope to heaven? Well, I believe that it's linked. And we can take that from the scripture because it says, we have fled to take hold of, our taking hold links us with God's plan. So hope is linked to the truth of God's word. It's linked to his promises. It's linked to his covenant. What is the link? The link is we have taken hold of those things. What does it mean to have taken hold? It means to take hold of and never let go, to grab firmly. And this takes determination. And yes, sometimes there's a struggle involved. And I'd like to tell you what I believe to be a true story. I found it online, but it was documented in newspapers about a certain lady who had to jump in and get involved and take a hold of in order to overcome. See, she was an African lady. She lived in an African country. She was in the bush. And one day she went to the river to go and wash some clothes. And some children from the village went to the river along with the ladies. As she was washing, next thing she heard a lot of screams and alarm and a big commotion. And as she jumped up, she saw that a crocodile had taken hold of her son. Instead of hesitating, she realized there was no time to run to the village to get help, to do anything. Without hesitating, she ran up and jumped off the bank of the river onto the head of the crocodile that held her son and took her thumbs and stuck her thumbs and jammed them into the eyes of the crocodile. There was a struggle that went on. You know what the crocodile did? It didn't like having its eyes jammed with her thumbs and it let go and she grabbed her son and he escaped and he survived. We got to take a hold of the things of God. Sometimes there's a struggle. Sometimes it may not be easy, but we need to be determined. We need to be tenacious in the way we engage with God's plan. Do you know that even Jesus had to go through hard times, and he walked perfectly in God's plan? Sometimes there's a struggle. Don't let that deter you. Amelia Earhart said, the most difficult thing is the decision to act, and the rest is mere tenacity. Do you know that there's evidence when we are engaged with God, when we've taken hold of the hope, taken hold of the plan that he has given us? What is the evidence that our faith has taken hold of the promise of God? Well, as I thought about this, I wanted to kind of give clues, and I'll be honest with you, this is the first definition I came up with, and I decided there was something more to it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. My first definition is that we know his word. It's a natural part of our thinking, speaking, planning, and decision-making. It governs our attitudes and the way we relate to people. I wrote it and I thought, yeah, that's good. They're like this. That's solid. I can, you know, I can back all of those thoughts up. But there was something nagging me in the back of my head as I wrote it. And I thought about, man, but what about those people in the Bible that didn't really know God's word that well. They just heard about this guy, this guy called Jesus. And sometimes he was there in front of them, and sometimes he was across town, and there was a struggle involved. But they set their hope firmly on the person of Jesus, on the little that they knew. And even the little that they knew, well, there's some great stories to be told in the Gospels and throughout the Bible of people just like that. So here's my second definition of people who have taken hold and the evidence that they've taken hold. There's a determination to find Jesus, to meet him, to connect with him, and to know him in a real and meaningful way. Above all, through the struggles, the difficulties, the confusion, and the victories, both big and small, there is a tenacity to hold on to Jesus no matter what. And I think if we merge the first and two definitions together, we can begin to see an overall picture of what it looks like to have taken hold of that hope. How do we develop the kind of hope that transforms lives? And we're going to end on this last thought. Two words. We learn. We learn to follow Jesus. We learn to know his word. We learn to plan. We learn to focus, to persevere, and never give up. A man named James Clear said the following. He said, the most powerful force in the universe is compound interest. And the most powerful force in personal development is compound learning. What you learn today, you will apply tomorrow. What you learn this week, you will apply next week. What you learn this month, you will apply next month. And what you learn this year, you guessed it, you will apply next year. Your learning compounds just like your interest. And friends, when we look to Jesus and set our hearts and minds to daily learn from him, and we apply what we learn, we create the launching pad for true and lasting transformation. So the question that we asked at the beginning of our chat was how do we develop a personal story full of grace and truth? So hopefully some of the lessons that we've learned today allow you to take a hold of, yes, the hope, but to take a hold of what? The plan. God's got a plan for our lives, a good plan, a plan that he says in Jeremiah 29 will prosper us and give us a hope in a future. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. I pray that the message of God's word will build your faith and develop a hope that is so strong it's like an anchor for your soul. Go ahead and subscribe and why not share the message with a friend.